Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is my new friend, Nicole, who is calling in from sunny southwest of Germany in a place called Freiburg, which you're going to hear us nerd out on a lot during this episode. Happens to be one of my favorite places in the world. She's also the host of the Expat Cast, which is a podcast all about being an expat and especially in Germany, but also talking to people who are expats in other countries. So she talks about a lot of the same types of things that we're into here on About Abroad. And it was a lot of fun for us to exchange stories, talk about our past to being American expats living in Europe and two different corners of Europe and find out how you could also be an expat living in Germany if this place sounds as great to you as I can attest that it is. So I hope you'll enjoy this one. I had a great time with it. Please help me in welcoming Nicole to About Abroad. Nicole, welcome to the show. Guten Tag, guten Abend. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here under this full moon. I was telling you before we got on the, before we hit record that I think today is a really weird day and a really weird week and I'm blaming it on the full moon. I, I think it's, I think it's legit. We'll roll with that for sure. You know, what's the most interesting thing about this full moon though, is like we finally made this happen. We, we've been, we've been trying to get this on the books for a while now. Yeah. I mean, gotta be at least six months. I remember there being very different weather out my window when we initially got in contact. So I'm thrilled it's finally happened. And yeah, it's been a bit of a stressful kind of full moon for me. So I'm very excited to just like turn it all off and just chat for a while. I've listened to your show, you know, recently. And so it's very cool to be to be here finally. Well, likewise, it, it, that's that's kind of a cool thing to lead off with because the audience won't know this until until right now. But your your podcast, uh, the expat cast is something that I listened to many several years ago. I, I'm going to ask you to give us a little background on it again in a second. But just want to say that it's something that I listened to early on and actually was one of the shows that gave me some inspiration to, to start about abroad. So first of all, thank you for that. And then I also found it really exciting when I when I started thinking about doing the show to dive into, okay, what are other people's stories and people who are hosting shows kind of talking about similar things. And that was that was really fun for me. So I have no doubt that you'll be able to kind of turn it off now and we'll be able to nerd out on stuff that we're both passionate about, which is being an expat, living abroad, travel, all the fun stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. It's really, really nice to hear you say that it was uh, part of your origin story in a way, because yeah, that, that's very, that's very cool. Yeah, it definitely. It definitely was. So I, on that note, I am, I guess, like, it would be a great place to sort of kick things off a little bit. Why don't you give us a little background on the expat cast and and kind of the origins of, of your show? Because I think that will frame where we go from there. Yeah, yeah, gladly. Yeah. So I've been a podcast listener since, I don't know, the mid 2000s, I think I've been able to track it back to not to, you know, brag in the nerdiest way possible. But I was I was listening to podcasts before they were cool, but only because I was listening to like Harry Potter podcasts before the last books had come out and they were like predicting what's going to happen in the final book. And so that's what I was up to <laughs> back in those days. So anyway, I bring that up only to say podcasting was in my mind, I guess, for 
probably about nearly 15 years, um, 10, 15 years by the time I started mine. And mine happened because, yeah, so four and a half years now, I moved from the US where I'm from to Germany to a town called Freiburg, which I'm sure I'll get to gush about later. (laughs) And I was thrilled to make this move. It was always right for me, but it was also very hard for a while. I mean, it's still hard in a lot of ways. And I found that what got me through all of the difficulties was um, was the specific people that I was meeting, which I was meeting because of the job that I had. So I'm going into so much detail along the way, but whatever. <laughs> um, basically, when I first moved, my first year was a was basically a year long internship. It's if you're ready for a really long, ridiculous German word, it is. It's called a Bundesfreiwilligendienst, um, wow. which is not a word I could say when I applied for the job. But basically, I knew I wanted to make this move. I had just finished getting my degree in library science, so I said, okay, I'm only moving if I find something related to libraries and this internship it paid nothing and it was only a year but I thought okay like I can try it and see if I like life over there see if I can get my German up to a level and it was yeah it was library adjacent so I went for it and because I was working in this library it was at an American cultural center so I was in contact through the staff and through the patrons of the library I was in contact with so many people who basically no matter what step I was on in my journey be it figuring out my visa or I remember the first time I went to get my visa and they told me I needed a passport picture and I didn't Germans mean something very specific when they say everything so they meant a very specific type of passport picture which of course I didn't have at the time because I didn't know it was only this one specific thing so anyway everything like that I would go back to work and say to a coworker, say to a patron like oh this just happened and they were like here's what you need to go do here's where you need to go and it was yeah it was such a resource and then on top of that I had people I could talk to so I mean I didn't really have that many friends back then and not many deep friends but but there were people that I was seeing every day who had so many different stories and they were all here and they were making it work some way or another. And that helped me so much, whether or not we were getting into deep topics or not, you know, it just made me see it's possible. So this was year one of living in Germany and probably I think not even six months in, maybe four or five months into this move, I I voiced it. I said, okay, I think I want to make a podcast because I was getting such specific help. And I also knew because I'd moved with my ex-boyfriend and he's from a really tiny, like a small, small town area where there's only small towns. So there was also this alternate version of reality where we'd moved to one of these small towns. And I thought, oh my God, if I'd moved there, I would have none of this infrastructure. I mean, Freiburg's not the biggest city in the world, let alone Freiburg or let alone Germany, but but it had enough, you know, and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, if I was in a village, I didn't have these people, I didn't have these resources, what would I do? So I started the podcast, I, I started putting out about actually exactly a year into living abroad, um, but was working on it for several months up to it. And yeah, that's where that's like the ethos behind it is just like dedicate it to alternate, rea- alternate reality, Nicole, who's often some tiny village <laughs> struggling <laughs> with no help. And since then, it's really evolved. I mean, it's it's also funny to me that you say I was one of the podcasts you looked at when you started because I remember doing the same thing, like looking who's who else is already doing this. And when I started, like two or three other podcasts, most of which were not really updating regularly, or one or two of which were backed by these bigger uh, companies, and so they were yeah, they were just doing different things. And so I just it was such a shot in the dark. <laughs> And I think within a year, I started seeing other podcasts that were similar. But to me, this was a relief. It was like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy to be doing this. Okay, this is good. So that's a very, very detailed version of how it started. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love though that there's so many awesome parallels there because I think like it was that, these are the way like the greatest products and services I think are are created. They're really there to like solve a real need, and you had a pain that you couldn't you know an, or an itch that couldn't get scratched otherwise. And you're like, I'm sure other people are out there that could use the same information. And and I recall also you know trying to figure out how to do visa paperwork in in a couple different countries five six seven years ago, and there was nothing out there. Like if you wanted to find uh, not let set a podcast aside, like even a blog post that was like really useful and up to date or an article or something, this stuff just like didn't exist. I feel like people moving abroad and digital nomads and stuff. It was like such a little fine niche that there just wasn't a lot of good content out there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I also felt this pain and was also having like all these conversations <laughs> with people every day. And I enjoy them. I think like you do, like it's fun to talk to people who are kind of going through some of the same stuff and and helping each other solve those problems. And so it's interesting to hear the the parallels there. Like the, these, both of our shows were sort of built out of that same thing of like, I need to, I need to solve this problem. I know other people need to solve this problem. Let's just see if we can talk about it and figure it out together. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard people say this about wedding planning, that you become such an expert in throwing a wedding and then you don't do it ever again. Or if you do, you're probably not doing the same wedding. So you learn all this information, which other people also need, but you can't, somehow it doesn't work to share it. And it's apparently quite frustrating, I've heard. So I feel like it's kind of the same thing where I'm like going through such this crazy thing and being like, okay, like more people are figuring this out too. Come on. Like, I know it. Let's just figure it out together. <laughs> so yeah, I think probably you and I both both also have this drive to give back in a way, you know, because I think, um, I mean, podcasting is a crap ton of work and we've both been at it for a while and you don't keep going. I mean, maybe some people are making such money that it's worth it. But that's, I mean, that's neither my goal nor my reality. And I'm, I keep doing it because, I mean, I sometimes do get messages from alternate reality Nicoles who are living off in some village in Germany being like, thank you. <laughs> so that's really helpful. And I bet, I bet it's the same for you with uh, nomads. Yeah, totally. It, it's like, that's, that's very rewarding. And it's, it's absolutely not about the money. It is a lot of work. Like there's a really bad return on investment in podcasting, <laughs> unless you're like Joe Rogan or something. And you're just, you're, you know, then, then it gets good really, really good but the the rest of us are are doing it because it's fun and uh and it feel it does feel good to give back and it does feel good to get those messages you know someone saying like thank you this really helped me or you know this actually inspired me to move to x country um or i didn't know that visa existed you know because actually i mean that's that's really how i ended up here in spain my wife came across some like outdated blog that was like hey as an American, you can live in Spain if you work remotely and can, you know, move here. And and we we found this and we were like, wait, what? We've always been told you can't do that. And it's like, so just the fact that somebody wrote this blog post at one point, like ch literally changed the whole trajectory of our of our lives <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, what we can do with the airwaves is, is powerful, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I've toyed back and forth because my day job is as a librarian. So I'm, I'm very resource driven and I'm very interested in packaging helpful materials in a way that will work for people to advance themselves and advance them, their lives, right? This is just kind of in me. And so at the beginning, especially, I was doing a lot of more resource-driven episodes and topics. And then I found like, oh my gosh, okay, now this one thing changed. And now that's not the right information anymore. And it's so hard to update it with um, podcasts. But then also, actually more so what it was, is I ended up really liking these conversations where people would talk to me about deep stuff, <laughs> about the stuff that was actually like the worst part of their transition abroad. Or I don't know, the kind of conversations that you would have with your best friend if you had a best friend where you lived, but you just lived there, you know, you just moved there recently. So you you don't have that. Or maybe you have some friends, but you're not ready to talk about, I don't know, the guilt you feel about 
living far away from your parents or something like that. You know, that's a bit too intimate. So somehow with the podcast, I got to a point where people would trust themselves, trust me, trust whatever enough to to have those conversations. And I really enjoyed focusing a lot on that too, um, because I think it also goes discussed in some ways. It's like, yeah, it's all really amazing, but it also really sucks. And it's painful in very specific ways. Um, And knowing that anyone else has ever also felt this pain is it does something. I mean, it doesn't solve everything. It doesn't doesn't make it all better, but it makes it a bit more normal. And you learn, oh, okay, it maybe maybe I'll survive this. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's something I've really noticed with with your show, actually, is you do get into some of those subjects that are like, maybe someone would be like, oh, I was thinking this was all like a lot of fun. And I was gonna just like kind of travel through the show. But you're telling me like, oh, it's not all it's not always fun. There are some there are some downsides. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really good. I'm curious for for people listening right now, like what would be an, an, an example of of that maybe you've experienced personally or or something somebody shared with you on your show? Well, I mean, personally, yeah, I think at the beginning, I probably talked more about job stuff because that was very hard for me. Um, Librarianship is a job where you have to communicate at a very high level to do the job. And yeah, my German was not there (laughs) for a while. It's kind of kind of there now. But you know, anyway, whatever. Um, The point being that was that was very difficult. And as an a US American, so much of your identity is built around your achievements and your success at work. Uh, And to have that what felt like all ripped away, like it just didn't matter. That was something I definitely talked a lot about. And a lot of people have had that, like a lot of people have had to reinvent themselves to make this move work. And it's that comes with a lot of pain in and of itself. Or for instance, yeah, I mentioned it's my ex-boyfriend. So I moved for this relationship that didn't, I don't want to say it didn't work out, but it ended, you know? So that wasn't exactly the the plan or the vision that we all set out with. So I mentioned it on the show and then I found so many other people who also went through the situation, um, which doesn't make me happy for them, but it does make me happy for me because then I had people to talk to. And I mean, when I was going through it, I don't think I was ready to talk about it. But part of what got me to the point where I was on the other side of it, more or less, was being able to have these conversations. So that's something for my life. And then some things that guests have talked about. I mean, for instance, divorce, which is a whole nother level. I mean, I talked to someone who divorced um, with kids involved, and I don't even know how many countries and passports were involved. Very complicated and very heartbreaking. I'm trying to think there is, yeah, there's, there's several ones that just are about like real things. Like I just did a one recently with a, actually a friend of mine who's she's 61 and she's been living this sort of expat life most of her life back and forth and just talking about how it is different looking at her future now. She's a single childless woman in her 60s and feels pretty great about all that other than she's looking at the next, you know, however many years of her life being like, huh, where, what, what do I, where do I go? <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's a bit of different calculation. So things like that. I mean, there's better examples, but I can't think of them right now. <laughs> no, those are, those are great though. I mean, I mean, even just the thing you mentioned, you know, about like feeling guilt about leaving your family behind. This is something I suffer might be a little bit strong, but there, there's a, there's a level of guilt there. I'm someone that's like really close with my parents and my my family and I have a really tight network of friends back home. I just happen to and I and I love them and you know we talk all the time, but I I also just happen to like really feel called to like live in other places. Like and I and I'm also not someone that hates where I come from. Like I actually really like going back there. I I enjoy it. It's not like uh I'm running from that kind of thing. It's like I'm just really called to this part of the world right now and I want to explore and and live in different places and learn new languages and all that. So that's what kind of pulls me away, but it comes with this 
level of guilt where you're like, yeah, but you know, your parents are getting older and you know, you know, people are getting married or having kids or there's birthday parties or get togethers that you're not a part of. And there is a level of, of guilt that's, that's always kind of underlying there. And I don't think that's talked about in too many other places very often, but it's a very real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And actually you're like, I just reminded me of three different episodes. So for instance, this topic of like, oh, you're not really running away from anything. You're just exploring other things. We did a topic about that where, or an episode about that with a friend who she did kind of run away from a bad situation, but she also intentionally ran towards a place that had a better social system that could support her in such moments. And we debated basically this topic of, am I moving abroad or am I running away? And how does that change how I look at this? And with this guilt, yeah, um, one of the best episodes for me personally was called How to Show Up. I talked to this woman who shared, she's I think she also does some coaching in this realm now, but she also just shared a lot of her personal experience living in all these different countries. How to show up because you can't be there for someone's, you know, your your niece's or nephew's birth because you don't know when that's going to happen. Weddings you might have to miss because it just timing wise doesn't work out or it's too expensive. So you objectively, like you're going to miss things. And I I don't know. I came into it being like, I'm going to come home every Christmas. I have this in my control. No, I don't. The second Christmas I wasn't home because I couldn't because I didn't have it in my control. And I remember recording that episode came at a time when I really needed to hear someone tell me how to how to show up when I can't always show up. And the third episode it reminded me of is called, uh, it was recent, it was um, just in December, called Expat Grief, um, where we talked about naming this guilt almost also as grief. And the not being there also, it is a form of grief that we just have to mourn this alternate reality where we're around the corner from our friends and family there for everything. And as happy as we might be in our other life, our actual life, it's still something sad and it's still something to mourn. And learning how to do that is, you know, it's possible, but you need to, yeah, you have to do it because it's very easy to just not think about bad things that are happening back home because you're not there. You're, you know, on the beach in Spain or on a hike in the Black Forest. So it's really easy to be like, whoop, 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 whoop. So true. It is so true. It's, it is. It can be really hard like for anybody to uh, to feel bad for you either. Like when you're like, yeah, I just went on this beautiful hike to this gorgeous little village in the uh, in the Black Forest here. And, you know, we're going to be tra- crossing over into, the, into France later. You're like, okay, look, I don't feel bad for you anymore, but this stuff is real. And, uh, <laughs> and so there's only so many people you can talk to about talk with it about like that'll really really get it it's kind of fascinating i do that to myself all the time too i was yesterday i was really committed to being grumpy and i had some good reasons to be but like for instance my charger wasn't working on my laptop unexpectedly and i was like i don't know if it's the charger or the laptop oh my gosh this is terrible whatever whatever but you know i biked five minutes down the road to a store where i could buy a new charger and bike home like the whole thing was over in 20 minutes 30 euros it's really not that big of a price. It's not that big of an inconvenience. And I'm and it was a beautiful bike ride. And I'm just sitting there being like, but I'm annoyed that this happened and I want to be grumpy and I want to be annoyed because that's just the mood I'm in. But like, what is my life that I'm everything is so easy and my problems are solvable and really not bad problems. And I mean, it's it's always a balance. Like, of course, yeah, of course I can be however I am. On the other hand, I, I so often have days in Freiburg where I'm just looking around at the beauty and I'm like, I mean, I'm still mad, but I can't be like that mad, <laughs> you know? 
know. <laughs> I mean, I am mad, but look at those trees. Those are some nice trees. Okay. Freiburg has some nice trees. Uh, and actually, okay, I so we got to get to this now because it's the perfect time to do it. So people that have listened to this show may have heard me talk about this before. I spent a month in Freiburg, which is a smallish town in, in Southwest Germany. And Nicole lives there. She's very, very lucky to live in such an amazing place. My wife and I fell in love with this place. We still jokingly to this day will say like, let's just move to Freiburg. <laughs> whenever whenever we're not feeling where we're at, let's just move to Freiburg. And and she, she refers to it as Pleasantville. It is just a picture perfect, beautiful little village, uh, not maybe a big village in, in this part of the world that we just love. And so I would, I don't know how you ended up there. I'm so curious to know, and I'm sure people listening would too, but I would love to like go through the story of like, okay, how, why Freiburg? <laughs> how did you find this place? And then what do you love about it there? Oh my gosh. The second question is going to be three hours. Brace yourself yeah, let's already. Set, let's set to the side. <laughs> I broke the rule and asked two questions at the same time. Let's start with the first one. <laughs> the first one's simpler. I just, I, yeah, I said I had gotten my library science degree and I was determined to use it, but my German sucked. And, so, and I was, oh, I was limited to, Southern Germany because there was a certain radius that my ex and I were okay with being from his dad who was in one of these tiny villages I referenced earlier, um, which for people who know German geography, I'm talking about sort of the Lake Constance area, which this is the lake that can buy or that connects Austria, Germany and Switzerland. It's one of the prettiest places I've ever been in my life. It's amazing there. And so from it's, it's kind of central within Germany. So I could go <laughs> to the left. Um, so to the west um, and go to Baden-Württemberg is the name of the state, which is where I ended up or east is um, Bavaria. So anyway, I was I was pretty limited. There, there's only big cities there or Stuttgart or Munich. But yeah, anyway, through some chain of events, I found this year-long internship that I ended up doing and it happened to be in Freiburg. And I knew nothing about Freiburg. My ex had been there like once, but it was to party for a night. So, <laughs> okay, this is going to be very insider baseball or insider football, I should say, because um, the coach of the German national team, national football team, his name is Yogi Löw and he's from Freiburg. And he's quite famous because, of, yeah, of course, the German team is quite good and he, this guy has been around for ages. But anyway, um, everyone has a Yogi Löw spotting in Freiburg because he's always coming back here. And so my ex was like, yeah, I went to Freiburg once. I partied and I showed up really drunk at Yogi Love's house. But then I had to leave because it was two in the morning and what was I doing there? <laughs> so anyway, he didn't know anything about it either. Um, but we sort of just sight unseen. We're like, okay, because like, he was flexible with location. And so it was based on my job. And that's where I, that's where I got a job. So the first time I saw it was driving the moving van. <laughs> that's bold. That's yeah. super bold. So you okay? So that that does piece together something for me. You knew you had you and your ex were together before you you came, and that was that sort of one of the reasons to come to to Germany in particular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'd been dating two years long distance, and obviously that's not sustainable. <laughs> but I was doing my masters at the time, and so he had tried. I was in Chicago uh, back then, and he had moved to Chicago for a couple months, but it just didn't really fall into place for him. So, and I, I wanted to move anyway. So because living in the US, um, you have 10 vacation days in a year and it's horrible. And so I thought, okay, the only way I'm ever going to see anything in this country is if I keep moving from one region to the next. So I lived, I grew up in Philadelphia in the Northeast and I spent five years in Charleston, South Carolina in the South. Then I was in Chicago and Illinois in the Midwest for a couple of years. And my plan was to go to like, I don't know, Colorado or Seattle to go West. So in my mind, I was already moving somewhere. And then, you know, when two years into this relationship, I'm like, oh, okay, clearly this is actually something. Mine as well move east instead of west. Um, why not Germany? <laughs> and so, yeah, that's kind of how that happened. So obviously, I mean, it was because of him for sure. 
I wouldn't have done it otherwise, but it also was something that was within my realm of like what I was looking for in life anyway. And and we just got stinking lucky with Freiburg. Like my goodness. <laughs> I remember because the first time I ever stepped foot in Germany was in this Lake Bold Constance area. And I literally I got in in the evening and I woke up, go upstairs, and I have a view of this lake and the Swiss Alps behind it. And there is a Zeppelin flying in the sky because they fly Zeppelins around this area because that's where they were, I guess, invented. Anyway, that was my first impression of Germany. My second impression of Germany was going to this area called the Allgäu, which I also highly recommend for vacation. It's this mountainous area in Bavaria between Munich and Austria or like Constance. Um, and that's where his family lived. So we were there a bunch and it's stunning Alps cows. Amazing. Yeah. And so then I come to Germany to move and we're driving into Freiburg and it's just the middle of the Black Forest. It's gorgeous. And I just, I'm like, is everywhere in Germany just stunning in different ways? And then last year I went up north and I was like, oh, okay. uh, it's different. Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> An unnecessary dig at Northern Germany. I actually really like it, but yeah. <laughs> I, ha- I have to tell you a funny story on that because I had only spent, so I thought I knew Germany because I'd spent a good bit of time there. And, but the truth of the matter is I was really, I'd really only been in the South and I just kept going to the South because I loved it so much. But I, in my mind that started to just become all of Germany. Uh, the green, rolling hills, the views of the Alps, the Bavarian kind of esque uh, the beer garden life, um, the way the towns are set up, like it's just it's it's all very like picturesque and and this is what was in my mind and and then uh, same thing I went north and like I showed up to some of the cities up north and I was just like oh wait this is totally different I actually walked into a hotel and asked like is there like a like a main area where there's like beer gardens and stuff and they were like what are you talking about where do you think you are you're in Berlin and I was like oh okay, right my bad. right and I, I I do actually think the north has its own different kind of a charm but I mean. I'm still a bit biased for <laughs> for the South. Yeah, it's just stunning. So yeah, so that's why Freiburg, I will say moving here is quite difficult. The apartment situation's bonkers. It's just bonkers. I mean, the prices compared to a lot of other locations are, I don't know. I mean, coming from the US, I'm not shocked. You know, I'm like, this is yeah. actually quite affordable. But with a German salary, it's it's tight. And it's just more so the issue um, of availability. There's just, you know, nothing. So that makes it a bit tricky. Is that is that Freiburg in particular, you feel like? Like it's just, it's expensive in Freiburg or like compared to other places in Germany or that part of the world? Yeah. So I mean, if you leave immediately Freiburg area or like the train stops one or two towns over prices dip a lot but so it is Freiburg specific but it's also not because there's definitely it's called Wohnungsnote um there's like shortage of living of affordable living in I mean just across Germany especially in bigger cities and desirable places to live so Berlin I'm kind of having this new theory that Freiburg's like a little mini taste of Berlin but with mountains and greenery because there's a lot of cultural I mean oh my god people who live in Berlin, if they hear this, they're going to come at me. But I mean, there's some cultural, some cultural similarities, right? And anyway, the the apartment situation's bad places, but yeah. that's not, I mean, that's, yeah, as I said, that's, that's really across Germany at this point, but still, you can still find more affordable places to live. And again, if you're coming from most other Western countries, it's, it's not going to shock you. I mean, the prices are. Yeah. Okay. All right. So not, not like one of these places, like there are certain places where you're just like, you go there and you know, okay, I'm sacrificing a lot. Like you're going to if you go to New York, if you go to San Francisco, yeah. if you go to London or Tokyo or you know, but then you also find these like random pockets of of the world where you're, you wouldn't necessarily expect that the prices are going to be like a limiting factor in in what you'll be able to do and so those 
those sometimes kind of like like throw you off a little bit. And and so anyway, I was just curious if, if it happened to be that Freiburg was was one of those little pockets, but it sounds like it's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I think I think again within Germany uh, taking that scope for what it is then then yes, it is one of these pockets. Like in the US think of Boulder or um or Charleston maybe. Charleston could be an example. Charleston was more expensive than here though. Charleston is freaking nuts. I yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about Charleston. <laughs> Asheville uh in North Carolina. That's where I lived last year. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Cool. It's such a cool town. And I think culturally, they're similar in terms of scale of the size of the city. It's probably similar. And then I, I don't know how Asheville is price wise, but I would assume it's a bit more expensive because people want to be there. It's like hipster and cool. They say it's like the highest rent per like relative to the income of people that live there. It's got the highest rent in the Carolinas or something like that. So it's like, so yeah, relatively, it's it's like a Charleston. It's like a Boulder. It's one of these places where you're yeah. like for the size, for the industry that's there, you're, yeah, you're, you got to be ready to to spend some money on your housing yeah exactly yeah 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 got it cool that's 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 good to know i'll I'll let my wife know so when we're uh when we're planning our move to pleasantville we'll be braced for the change from the south of spain to to the south of germany (laughs) exactly yeah it's definitely buckle your seatbelt a little bit but it's i don't know i think it's it's doable. Do you, do you do you recall when you first like started thinking about instead of going west, you're going to go east and and think of moving to Germany? Like, what was your mindset on the possibility of doing that? Determined, yeah, <laughs> and very flexible with the details. You had to be. I had to be, and this was one of two kind of most stressful points of my life, probably. So I was finishing my master's at the time. My boyfriend was living with me, and I was kind of supporting both of us, but. But even without him, I was never making more money than I needed to spend in a month. Not because I was doing anything fun, but literal basic living expenses. Meanwhile, I was a full-time student and working three to five jobs to try to pay most of the bills. America's fun, guys. Yeah. So anyway, all this was happening while I was job hunting, right? And so, yeah, no, I I mean, I don't like thinking back. It's like, well, I really didn't think about it at all. But also looking back, I'm like, I couldn't. I had no mental capacity to think about it. I just was like, this is what I want to do. Got to find a way to make it happen. I did prepare plan Bs. So I had job offers in Chicago. Maybe that was the only hard part because most of them paid pretty well. They were like, you know, working for the American Library Association in the loop in downtown, such a cool setting. Or there was this other job that was basically my dream job that I could have had. And, you know, saying no to that to make 350 euros a month was tough, but I knew it was what I wanted to do. And this was the option that I had. So I was going to do it. But I really don't have anything like grand and romantic to say about like the actual move because it was literally like I was in survival mode at the time and I just did what I did. <laughs> it's cool to know though, because I, th- I think like I, I kind of asked the question because my mentality was I just can't do that. Um, like if I want to live in quotes on in Europe, I will either have to get a divorce and marry a European, which didn't sound too promising or get hired by a ger- like a German company or a Spanish company or something, which seemed really hard as well because they have to go through this process of like, you know, proving that they couldn't hire a European. And so I just thought, well, I just will never be able to do that. There doesn't seem to be real options. Um, I'm beyond my student years. And I think this is also a catalyst for for about abroad is is to debunk that because at that time that was my mindset and I now know all of that so untrue and it all started with stumbling across this this old blog post article that that you know kind of got us thinking oh wait there is a way so yeah it's it's cool to hear it's, it's I think it's very cool to hear that like you were you just pretty much pure determination got you here and and that 
that might be enough for somebody that that really has the drive to do so. I mean, you had to make sacrifices, obviously, but you know, you're happy uh, where you ended up, and I think that's the the cool part of the story. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I, I think living abroad was always appealing to me, but it never felt realistic because of exactly what you're saying. So I think, I mean, I'm so grateful that life took me in this way and that I said yes to it all because although on paper, dating a German did nothing to help me (laughs) get my visa or anything like that, it gave me an in, in a way, you know, he could help me understand how the systems work and gave me a reason to to, I mean, other, like, honestly, if I was just doing it for myself, I, I would not have taken a 350 euro month job that expires in a year. Like, that's a ridiculous thing to do. And I, I probably literally couldn't have afforded it. I mean, he really was the financial provider for the first year, more or less. I was contributing when I could, but yeah, as established, not much. I'm, I'm glad that I had one of my other friends who also moved with an ex. She calls it hitchhiking. And I like to adopt because, yeah, I mean, it didn't paperwork wise, it never did anything for me. But showing up to the foreigner's office with a German helps. It just does. So, yeah. 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 Lo- locals, how to work the system. And there's always the, you know, the language. Yeah. It's, uh, it's huge. It's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's It's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com com slash about abroad and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, now back to the episode. I de- I derailed us a little bit there because I got curious about something. My apologies. Uh, let's come back to Sunny Freiburg and and so let, let's describe that like how do you describe Freiburg to someone when they're like, so what? where do you live? Like, what's what's it like over there? What do you say? Oh, my goodness. I just make a lot of like happy noises for like five minutes going, oh, it's so great. Wow. And then when my brain catches up to me. Okay. So your wife calling it what, Pleasantville? Is that what it is? Yeah. Very, very accurate. Quaint is a really good word for it. So it's, it's 230 people, <laughs> 230,000 people who live here. <laughs> so if people know populations, that gives you a scope of the size. It's like, I mean, it's a big town or a small city. It's got a university in the middle, so it's 
somewhat international, though the a lot of the people who are here more long term are people just from villages around the area and the Black Forest, or there's this area um, called Kaiserstuhl nearby, whatever, it doesn't matter. Anyway, point being, it's a lot of from this area locals. And it's very, culturally, it's very hippie. So there's a lot of barefooted people. There is no concept of no shoes, no service. Like people are walking barefoot into anywhere they want to be. There's a lot of white people with dreadlocks and none of them think it's a problem. There's uh, a lot of vegans. I keep forgetting that Germany is not necessarily super vegetarian vegan, um, but because Freiburg is so deeply that, that I just think it's normal. Everyone's biking everywhere. Everyone's super outdoorsy. So which brings me to how does it actually look? So it's nestled in this valley between these, I don't know if they're big hills or small mountains but it's the start of the Black Forest, um, which people have heard of because of cuckoo clocks or Black Forest cake. And literally, I mean, from my flat right now, if I left and walked 10 minutes, I would be starting to climb up this one mountain. This mountain's great because a lot of them are like this here. It's like half foresty mountain, half vineyards. So at the bottom, it's all these really lovely vineyards. And then the higher up you go, you hit the trees. You have views all the way over to France, to the French mountain range over there, the Fogues, and they're called in German. I don't know what they're called in English um, or, or French. But yeah, you can see those on a clear day. And there's a lot of winemaking in the area. It's very yummy. And yeah, from the city center, like the, the church in the center of town, there's a beer garden, maybe a five minute walk, maybe 10 because it's very steep. So if you go slow, where you have this amazing view and you're, yeah, you you can hike from there for hours. So it's very insanely accessible. And then if you want it to get more adventurous, you take the train for 45 minutes or an hour and you're really up in the Black Forest. You're, you can go skiing, you can do all sorts of winter sports, all sorts of summer sports, all sorts of literally any day of the, the year. I mean, Germans live by the there is no bad weather, only bad clothing motto. Um, and in Freiburg, you really see it like 10 degrees and above, people can mountain bike. And so everyone's mountain biking and everyone's rock climbing all the time. Everyone's doing like right now, uh, cross country skiing, downhill skiing, snowboarding, snowshoeing. I mean, it's just endless. <laughs> and it's a real wonderland wonderland for all of this. Yeah. For the outdoors, it's it's so, you said the word accessible and that's what comes to mind for me also. Like I, one of the things I really loved about being there was just, we, we rented an apartment in the middle of the old town there, which is also, I should just a little tangent is like so picturesque. Uh, it's like the epitome of what you envision when you think of these German towns with the cobblestone streets and the very cool architecture, the cathedral in the middle with the big open square and the just beautiful roof lines that all look uh, a bit different and change, you know, building to building. Uh, it's, it's, it's got all of that. And as you said, I would, like I would go on a jog and 10 minutes later, I would be like in the middle of no, I'd be in these beautiful green fields, green mountains, hiking up a mountain. I mean, it's just, that's super hard to find. Yeah. I mean, I'm very keenly aware of this because also Freiburg, I mean, it is small. It's a big village, it feels like, you know, and living here almost five years, everyone knows everyone and any new person you meet, you actually have three mutual friends with. And, you know, that has benefits and downsides, but I'm getting to a point where I'm getting a bit itchy. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I could imagine and living somewhere else. But I can't live somewhere else because exactly what you said, when I go on a jog, I jog up this hill, this mountain, and then I jog through the vineyards and I look at France and then I come down through this like beautiful stream. There's horses and chickens and all this stuff. And I'm in, I'm not in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm in a city or ostensibly. <laughs> so everywhere I go, I, I look, I'm like, does this have what Freiburg has? And nowhere does. Mm -mm, Heidelberg. Heidelberg has it a bit. 
I could imagine Heidelberg, but I, I'm always on alert to find somewhere because I think I'm like, oh, I, I know I'm just biased and I just happen to land here. If I live somewhere else, I'm sure it would also be great. But I think like I can't even run without a hill anymore. I think it's so boring. And <laughs> I've moved four apartments while living in Freiburg and I refuse to leave the specific hill. <laughs> so I'm like, how am I going to move to a new city where my hill is not going to be there? And you have to take a train for like 30, 40 minutes to get to like this kind of nature experience. And I'm just a bit lazy, you know, and this is just really easy access. <laughs> it's tough to take the hill with you. Uh, I, th- I think that's really funny. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, like th- I don't think this is a part of the world. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I very well may be. But like, I don't think this is a part of the world that's like really high on people's bucket lists. You know, other countries, like even even from within Europe, I've I've talked to I don't know how many people where I've specifically said Freiburg or Southwest Germany, like this area, you know, and just been like it's so beautiful because you have the mountains and you have, you're you're in the pre-Alps, so you see that you see these giant mountains off in the distance. You have lakes, you have sunny weather, like really good weather, great towns and and access and but people go oh really yeah I never I don't know I never really thought about that like you know I go to I go to Sicily or I go to Ibiza or something like I you know or the Swiss Alps or something but this this part of the world is is insane yeah I mean I think older retired folk come here a decent amount skiing there's Feldberg is this one mountain nearby some people who are into skiing like to come there because it's still very low-key because it's not the Alps so it's very like family run kind of a vibe and of course during corona a lot of people have come because it's a within Germany vacation but yeah it's it's just I mean most Germans have been here because one of their friends went to school here and they came and partied for a weekend that's really kind of it and I'm always astounded because I, I think it's the especially for people from abroad this is an amazing trip because I don't know, all of the travel I've done in Europe, big cities are cool and I like them, but they're not what I like about Europe. They're their own thing. You know, Berlin is Berlin. It's not Germany. Rome is Rome. It's not Italy. But if you really want to get a feeling for what you have in your mind of what Europe is, okay, here's my trip. Here's the pitch. You fly into Zurich. You can go look at Zurich for like a day, but it's fine. Go to Luzern. Luzern is beautiful. And then come on up north to Germany. Right at the border crossing there, there's a giant waterfall. I think it's like the most voluminous waterfall in Europe, whatever. Um, this is also where that Lake Constance area is. So you could detour there and then come on over to Freiburg and have beer gardens and views and hikes and outdoor activities. And then um, 30, 40 minutes to the west is France. And it's this region called the Alsace, which I always say wrong because I, I, I'm trying to say, I don't know, whatever, I say it wrong. Oh, but. I'm so glad you said that because I thought it was Alsace and I have no idea. Uh, and I've, I've literally never asked anybody. I just always pronounced it Alsace. So uh, it's, you're probably right. I mean, in German, it's Alsace. And so I think what I'm doing is just saying it more American, but not actually saying it in English. I don't know. Anyway, I, I am always embarrassed to say, it. like when I get to this part, I'm like, oh, shoot, I really need to learn how you actually say it. But but um, this is this region of France that, you know, any think of any war you've heard of in this area, this area switched from being Germany to being France. So the most recent switches were, you know, World War, I think until World War One, it was Germany. And then after World War One, it was France. And then Hitler took it back. So then it was Germany. And then after the war, it went back to France. I, it, it's back and forth constantly. And so um, it's got this really special specific vibe to it. And, and it's stunningly gorgeous. Talk about wine. I mean, the Alsatian wine road, incredible. So yeah, I mean, you can do this all within a week and then fly out of like Frankfurt or go back down to Zurich. Because yeah, Freiburg is 30, 40 minutes from the Swiss border, 30, 40 minutes from the French border. 
That doesn't suck. It's like a really easy sell once you, you know, it's just like you have to get it in front of somebody and then they're like, oh, wait, that's amazing. Basel, Mm -hmm. I flew it. When I came there, I flew into Basel. Is that, would that be the closest airport? That's my favorite airport in the world. I like it. It's the it's the so coolest cool. airport in the world because you can literally walk out of one door and be in like you have to choose which country you're going into yes. <laughs> when, you, when you and go through different customs like that's insane. Yeah, I, I that's like it. I, this is so nerdy, but it gives me chills thinking about it because it's all of these layers of international cooperation because France and Germany are part of the EU, but Switzerland is not. But all of these countries are Schengen. The part of Switzerland it's in is German speaking Switzerland, and obviously Germany is also German speaking. But France is very much French speaking. And somehow these three countries have all coordinated. Um, There's two exits, one to France, one to Switzerland. And yeah, all three countries are involved and and all these languages are floating around. And it's it's small. It's a very tiny airport. And every time I go, you're through security in like a blink of an eye. It's German enough that it's incredibly well run and very clean because, again, Switzerland so, I mean, it's just, I just, I nerd out. I love it there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we could, we could nerd out about this for a long time. I actually, I think it's really funny because I remember we did, well, it was like a car sharing app. Can't remember what it's called. Blah, blah, Do you, car? you might, yeah, it was, I think it was Blah, Blah, Car. We used Blah, Blah, Car here in Spain too. So I, I was thinking maybe it was, it was something else in, in that part of the world. Anyway, we, I, we were messaging back and forth with the, the driver and like, I didn't know this about the, the Basel airport that you would have to like, literally you, you can only like, exit one way or the other. It's not like you just exit and then figure it out. And so the blah, blah car driver was like, you know, okay, well, which side do I pick you up on the the Swiss side or the the EU side? And I'm like, dude, I I don't know what you're talking about. Like this, this question doesn't make sense. There must be something lost in translation here. I'm just going to leave the airport and you pick me up outside. How about that? (laughs) And and so that's that's a very unique thing to to the Basel airport. (laughs) I was going to add, so something I think we have to touch on, you've mentioned it a couple times, and I think people are vaguely familiar with it but they don't really know the magic is the the black forest um let's let's talk a little bit about the black forest because for for me this is like heaven on earth i I love this part of this part of uh, freiburg in germany so tell us a little bit about the black forest and how it's accessible yeah yeah so it's I mean, I always wondered, what does the black part mean? I've heard it's like, because the, the forest is so densely packed that it's always dark under, or I've heard I've heard a lot of things. So I don't really know why it's called the black forest. But imagine, I don't know, a forest, but a really pretty one. It's, it is pretty densely treed, if you can verb <laughs> tree. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they have a bunch of hiking paths. They have a bunch of mountain biking paths. I mean, all through it. And it stretches a bit further south than Freiburg, but not all the way to Switzerland. And then it goes all the way north past um, Karlsruhe. I think it ends shortly after Karlsruhe, but it's, I mean, it's, I think, a couple hundred kilometers of a forest. And a lot of people like coming from Stuttgart, you have to commute like, I don't know, maybe an hour, which is technically not far to get to the Black Forest. So that's great. And again, in winter, it's this haven uh, winter sports. Uh, but for me, it's literally, it's a walk. <laughs> and when you're in it, you're in it. And one thing I love about, I mean, I, this is across Germany, to my knowledge, at least across the South, they always have these little restaurants in the middle of nowhere and you're like why is this restaurant here but they're like because literally everyone is hiking every weekend and it's part of the culture that you go on a hike and you stop you have a couple beers you have a snack and the food is often fantastic and you usually have a great view if you are into scenic roads you can drive or get a motorcycle and there's so many beautiful paths to take there if you go higher up there's two lakes uh one's called titizay which is very funny in english and then there's another one called Schluckse. Um, yeah, so titty C 
T-I-T-I-S-E-E. Anyway, it's funny. Um, and if you go all the way up there and you hike up to certain outlook points, you can see all the way to the Swiss Alps on a, on a clear day. And you can see like really the whole range. Oh my God, recently. Oh man, there's this mountain called Kandel that I'd heard about, but I'd never been to. And it was a really spontaneous decision. I was driving around with a friend and we said, oh, let's go watch the sunset. But the sunset was already kind of happening. So we're like, oh, we'll drive up to the spot anyway. We're going to miss it, but whatever. We get there and it was so foggy down in the valley. So we were above the clouds, but you could still see all of these fluffy, fluffy clouds. And then the Swiss uh, Alps, like the mountains there, are like poking out through them. The sun is setting, so everything is golden and red and just drenched in color. It had snowed, so you know there's deep white everywhere. And then you turn your back on the sun and you look over and it was a full moon rising literally between two uh, pine trees in the Black Forest. And then I looked further, like I turned my body more from that and there were the Swiss Alps in such clear view. Like I've never seen them so clear before. And it was it was insane. And oh. people were just like sledding and, and walking and just being happy people. And and I, I found out recently that you, you can sled down a hill on your coat. If you just hold your coat down, it's enough. The snow is right. You can sled on that. So I sled into the Swiss Alps with this, the moonrise and the sunset. And I was, I cried a little bit. So happy. And I mean, that's like, that's just what you can do here. Like you can take a spontaneous drive and end up there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm I still mean, recovering. It, that's like, uh, I mean, this, this like kind of fairy tale stuff. And it's, I mean, it's why we refer to it as, as Pleasantville because it, it really is so pleasant. That's the other thing. Like I, I went up there to Lake uh, TDC and travel, like went you know, spent days hiking around there and just visiting the little towns and going to those restaurants that you're talking about. And it is just so pleasant. Like that's the word that just keeps popping back up into my mind. It's, it's like everything works. Everything's really well kept. It's nice. People are super friendly. I think there's this, for some reason, there's this like antiquated mindset that like, but maybe because of the way German sounds, it's a little bit, you know, harsh or something, but people kind of don't expect people to be so friendly, but they're so friendly and welcoming. And even if they don't speak English, there's like this agreement that we're going to like, we're going to work through through that and I, I found it to just be so pleasant and it like it just it just, everything worked and I really I really just you you couldn't like leave there without a smile on your face. Yeah, it's so true. And and living here, I'm, I mean, yeah, going on five years, I still feel that way. And sometimes the pleasantness of it is like almost grating because it's just everything so great all the time. And then the things that people get annoyed about, I'm like, but this isn't a real problem. But you don't know it because you grew up here and like your world is this, you know, and like <laughs> insulated from real problems. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, but that's just yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy for them that that's their experience. But yeah, is it is it true that it's the sunniest place in Germany? Do do people say that there? Like someone told me that once, and I I just latched onto it. But do, yeah. do people say that there? Um, they definitely say it. I don't know if it's true or not because apparently people also say it about Karlsruhe. And I think just okay. generally this area of the war of Germany is the sunniest. But some people would say, I mean, a lot of people say Freiburg. So for instance, one time my train was pulling up. I was coming from I don't know where, but out of far out of town. And so I was on one of those ICEs, like the long distance trains, and we're pulling up and the um, conductor goes, okay, we are now pulling into Freiburg, the California of Germany. And it was the middle of winter and it was not sunny. And so everyone was like, oh, it's a joke. We get it. But he was, yeah, but he was also saying this because this is a cultural understanding here is it's the sunniest part. So, and I, I mean, I, again, I haven't lived elsewhere, but I, we're really lucky with the weather. I mean, we get all four seasons and we get them hard, but another great thing about Germany, everywhere in the Black Forest, snowy. 
like right now out my window, I could see snow. I never have to. Sh- I've shoveled once since moving here because it never the valley is so warm that you don't mm. actually like if it does snow, it only snows a couple times a year, but it doesn't stick. It doesn't gather. So hold on. You get you get a winter wonderland. You get the winter wonderland without actually having to shovel like that. That is the definition of, of, a, of a Pleasantville. Like they're literally just nature's taking care of the problems for you. Yes. Um, in summer, it gets horribly warm because, again, sunniest city in Germany, no air conditioning. However, because it's Pleasantville, there is a specific wind, which has a name, but doesn't matter. It comes down this one mountain um, and runs west to east in, uh, in Freiburg. And you have to open specific windows in your apartment overnight because that wind will come through overnight and pull the temperature back down to tolerable. So it's a little, they get a little bit crazy with it. Like they wake up at, you know, five in the morning and close the windows and shut the blinds to like trap the cool air and like people get really <laughs> intense about it. But but it's a real thing I've experienced. Like I was staying at a friend's place um, on the penthouse level of this flat and it was so hot, but he was like, no worries opens the balcony door and all of a sudden in comes, I mean, it was sweltering this day. There was no wind anywhere else, but nighttime comes and in comes exactly what you need to sleep nicely. It's it's obnoxious. And I actually I had a friend my first year or two here, she wanted to move back to the US to a big city. And I was confused why she would want that because I was like, have you not met Freiburg? I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> but this was her qualm. She was like, I just, I don't think any of these people have ever seen a street rat. And I just kind of need to see a street rat. Like, I just want to see some trash around. She ended up in my hometown of Philadelphia, which is a great choice if you're looking for nitty gritty uh, grossness. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so she, she swapped one world for the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for her, this is exactly what she wants. Like it's way more rough and tumble and that's what she was looking for. And that's, you're not going to find that here. I, I, yeah. So over time, I think I'm kind of understanding her gripe with it in that sense. But on the other hand, I'm like, but literally when I'm, when I'm in a grumpy mood like that, like I was yesterday and I just, I'm like, fine, I'll just go on a walk. And I grab my book and I walk up to the vineyards and then I'm like, well, this is really great. And now my mood's just better. I want to be upset and I can't be. And I'm mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I've just given it up. I'm like, fine, I'll just be happy all the time. Yeah. One of the other things I was just thinking, uh, like like a couple things I'm just going to say real quick that I loved about my time in Freiburg. And then I want to hit you with a couple questions, a couple practical questions for people that are listening, because now they're like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's awesome. I want to move there. So how do I do that? We'll get to that in a second. Two other things that I really loved about this area, like in Freiburg, I can't remember if it's like every day or most days, but there's this big like farmer's market that takes place in the middle of the, the city around the cathedral. And it's massive. It's like, it's it's really big and you can get food and drinks there. And and so refresh my memory on that real quick. Am I am I correct? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful market. I mean, again, I, I'm biased, but I think it's one of the best ones you can find in, in, in yeah. Germany, in Europe, honestly. Because again, it's that exact experience that you're imagining happening. You can have there. So it's, it's all around the main church in town on cobblestone streets, of course. And um, the north side of it is all local farmers. And they are really local farmers like the longer I've lived here they're like I know exactly where their farms are and all that stuff and most of them are organic but it just costs a lot of money to get that like official signage but yeah they're really wonderful products and they're only local seasonal products on the south side of the market it's more diverse so you can buy like I don't know like they have this whole section that's wood goods so like spoons and I don't know toys for kids and stuff there's recently a coffee stand and 
and a french fry stand, which are really great. Beeswax candles, all these kind of goods. So it's still some food or like takeaway food. Like food trucks kind of too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you can take your food truck food and just sit looking at the church in the square and it's delightful. Yeah. So that's really nice. And even the stuff that's more international or like not only out of Freiburg on the south side, it's highly, highly vetted. It's very hard to get a space there. And so if they're there, they have some kind of, they're either using local products or they're somehow connected to the region. So um, it is it is quite authentic. And what people love to do is um, they sell these sausages on the north side and you can just get a sausage for two euros and 80 cents. And it's a delicious, quick, easy meal. Super German. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> funny, actually, funny thing is like uh, after we spent our month there, uh, we came, we'd been talking about going vegetarian. And so I spent like, a, we spent a month in Freiburg and I was totally not veg. I was the, I was like, I love bratwurst. I'm indulging in all the bratwurst yeah. and the <laughs> queso craners and all these things that I just, I love. Um, but then we went back to the US and, or a, a month or two of travel later. And then we went back to the US and uh, and we decided, okay, yeah, let's, my wife and I were like, let's, tr- let's do a vegetarian thing for a little while. And I've been vegetarian since. Um, so that's like my, that was like my farewell to some of my favorite food in the world, which is, uh, which is bratwurst. If I return, I'm probably going to do a bratwurst, uh, you know, between just between me and you. I'm going to ruin any resistance you have remaining in you to not come back because there is now a vegetarian sausage stand. There you go. As I'm telling you, everyone here, meat, they've never met meat. They don't even know what it is. Like they, (laughs) everywhere you go, there's a vegan or vegetarian option. And oat milk is almost the standard instead of normal milk at coffee shops. So yeah, anyway, there's a new, like a tofu stand that does. Awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm coming back. Um, So on that note, let me, uh, let me say, because I think we have sold it well and, you know, the city of Pryburg can pay us in whatever way they feel is appropriate for the uh, referrals we're sending them. Generally speaking, like what, what have you learned about the opportunities for people from other countries to be able to come to Germany? Like I said, I kind of had this perception that that wasn't an option for me as an American. Like I, I stumbled across this one for Spain. That's why I ended up in Spain. I've come to learn that there are ways to, you know, quote unquote, get in. And, and obviously you figured that out. So, you know, I won't ask you to like be like any expert or anything, but just could you shed some light for somebody that's going, okay, yeah, what, what are my options? How do I, how do I start this process? Yeah, yeah. So I can, I'll share what I did, which is in no way like replicable. So it's not very helpful. But after my year of interning, essentially, I got a position um, in a library in town and it's technically working for the government. It's technically under the city umbrella. So I got an unlimited contract with them and they did have to go through this, some kind of defense as to why an American should be having this position because my job has nothing. Like I happen, I'm the only foreigner really that's at this level. There's, yeah. And no part of me having this job has to do with that. Um, in fact, it's only a detriment <laughs> to my job. So that's fun. But they, but the, yeah, so they they somehow had to justify it. But because it was the city communicating with the city, the government to the government, it was super easy for me to get a contract and I've never had any problems with it. And now I have like one of the most secure positions you can possibly have, which is great. Um, And I can just stay in this, turn it into a permanent residency and be good to go. Um, But again, that's not exactly replicable unless A, you speak German or learn it or and B, also have a job that fits into a city structure. But I do think, I mean, I, I didn't think about doing this as a foreigner because I thought this isn't for me. This is for Germans, right? But you totally can work for the city as a foreigner and they want to because they want to seem more diverse than they are. You know, the categorically Germany is, you know, ethically in one place and realistically at another. And so, yeah, that's possible. More realistic ways are a job visa. So that's 
pretty doable. I mean, especially like if you live in, if you work in marketing or IT, a lot of these jobs are in English anyway, and that is going to suffice for the justification why you and why not someone else. It is going to be harder if you're not at a, uh, yeah, it's just a bit tricky. You, you might have to be flexible with location. Again, if you're trying to come to Freiburg, it's not that big. So there's not that much international industry happening, but it's possible. You know, I have plenty of friends who work, you know, different companies and, and they do do marketing or training or something like this where being international is a benefit. And then once you're in at the job, the the visa is not really the issue. Mm. Like it could be. And again, I'm coming from a white US American perspective. Um, <laughs> it is different depending on how you look and depending on what your passport is for sure. Yeah. But that's, it should be, it should be doable. Easiest, I think, if you're just like, wow, this life sounds amazing and I want to give it a go is a freelance visa. So you will have to prove that you can make enough money to support yourself. And what you say you need to support yourself does not matter. What they say you need to support yourself matters. So in Freiburg, I think it's about seven or 800 euros a month is what they say you need to be living. Um, and in some cases, you might even need to prove that you have something in the bank account. But again, if you're coming, it, yeah, you, that should be a pretty doable amount to make. I was just mad about this because again, when I was making 350 a month, I was like, I can live on four. 400. You don't need to tell, what am I going to do with these 300 extra euros you think I need? Um, <laughs> but they didn't care about that. So um, yeah, that's that's one way. And I, a lot of freelance contracts at the beginning, for instance, if you're doing freelance teaching of English, you probably are going to be limited to one company. And then if you change which company you're teaching for, you would have to change that with the foreigner's office. But it's a lot of paperwork, but it's all quite doable. So I would say if this is really sounding appealing to you, that's probably the easiest way to just come here. And once you're here, you can apply to better, more sustainable jobs if that's what you want to do. But I also have plenty of friends who are still freelance teaching years in. I have a friend who just was like, well, I just want to be here. I'll do anything. So she works at a restaurant in town that's actually an American restaurant. And so that's why she's sort of justified. Um, and the final one that I'll mention is you can come on a language learning visa. So this is almost mm. a school visa without actually going to like proper university school, though you can also do that. And Germans are perpetually studying because they don't have to pay for it. So there are plenty of people in their 30s still finishing up their first degree. And if you are interested, just do it. You're not going to be out of place. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, if you want to not get another degree, then just come on a language learning visa that can be extended to, I believe, up to a year. But there you do, I think, need 10,000 in your bank account or something like that. So it is a bit harder to, um, yeah, you have to organize it. And again, fact check me on all of this. If you get interested in these visas, um, look it up. There's a lot of good websites uh, in the meantime that, that have up to date information and specialize in this. But just so you guys know that it exists, that it's out there. That's also something I've heard of people doing is coming for three, six, 12 months on a language learning visa. And then they parlay that into a freelance visa or into a job that they find by then. Wow. Okay. So so on the freelance aspect, you, as far as you know, you could, like I could be a, a self-employed freelancer and apply to the German government and say, look, I have basically, I have an income coming in. I can support myself. I'm not going to come take a job from somebody. Uh, so I'll, I'll come there and work and live. Um, and that that can that's a possibility. I think those are considered two different kinds of freelance visas. So this is where okay. you would definitely have to look into the specifics. But for instance, I have a bunch of friends that are teaching English, and that's one version, right? And this is I'm I'm working for a company here, but on a freelance basis. If you're coming in being like I'm essentially self-employed, you have to have a business plan. You have to have this whole like proposal involved, and it's doable, but it's more paperwork. And I don't know how like the people I know who have done that are doing that for their side hustle. Because Got it. if you have one job, you can't be 
earning money in Germany for a second job unless you have the right visa for it. So for instance, there's some like, I don't know, influencer sounds a bit ambitious, but like some people who make a bunch of like TikToks about living in Germany and like they already have a day job. So but to monetize their TikToks, they have to have a business plan that they have wow. to give to the immigration office. And I don't know of people who have done that for their full-time job. I mean, I imagine it's possible, but I don't know the complications. And I, I feel like I've talked to one or two people on the podcast that had this concept and it was not as straightforward as I were hoping. Yeah. That's the that's the stick like the uh the stereotype actually that from what I've from what I've heard with with Germany is like it that that's and that's why I was like surprised at first what I thought you were saying. So now I'm glad I understand because that's what I've been led to believe is that it the self-employed thing is is actually like kind of kind of tough but if you yeah. can get hired by a company then that's that's a great foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think honestly if the location is the most important thing and you're a native English speaker then show up. You I, with U.S. passport, you can be here three months without having a um, like a, it's a tourist visa. So show up, start knocking on doors. You can probably get classes and start teaching English, and you can probably make enough to meet this threshold. And then you can apply from it from there. Exactly. Yeah, you can you can transition from there. One thing that's kind of funny because yeah, Germany is very very bureaucratic and very strict. I had a gap between my two jobs, and I tried to work as a freelance English teacher during this time because I was broke because grad school and then internship, right? And I couldn't because even to teach a one week long summer camp was I would have to be on a different visa. I would have to be on a freelance visa. And I was coming in to a managerial position on an unlimited work contract. So they were like, you could, but you're going to... And once I go down, I can't just go back. I would have to sort of go through these steps to get back up to it. So I think that's one thing. It's like, I mean, Germany is incredible and so worth it, but it is such a headache. And the it's a mixed bag how that experience is going to be dealing with the bureaucrats. I have a couple episodes in my podcast called Times Pe- German of, no, what is it? Times German People of Authority Have Made Us Cry with compilations. So let's be honest about that part too. Like the average German person can actually be quite friendly. And I think the stereotype is not fully deserved about them being unfriendly, but oh, the bureaucracy here. And like the there's some kind of sadistic pleasure people get out of telling you no and then pointing to a paperwork and saying like, you wrote your name wrong here, so I'm going to ruin your life. <laughs> and they like it. Like they just smile. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, it can be it can be rough. But if you're able to push through that, you know, I think it's probably easier if you're not, if you're coming as a family with like kids and stuff, I think you got to be on someone's work contract. But if you're more flexible, like if you're just a couple or a single person, I think you, again, you have to know your priorities. But for me, for instance, it was moving. So I took this weird ass, sorry, (laughs) there's a weird (laughs) position as an intern for a year. And that's, yeah, that's also a way you can do it. Um, Or uh, people have said, Come and just teach English. So it's it's especially again, especially as a U.S. American, it's pretty doable, but with sacrifices, and yeah. it might take time. It's it's really funny, actually. Like one thing on the bureaucracy is that uh, that there is a stereotype from the outside looking in that Germany is very bureaucratic. There's also a stereotype that like things work. So like yeah. they have the rules, they have the processes, and if you play by those rules and processes exactly, then you know, everything should go as planned. And here here in Spain, it's sort of the opposite. And like Spanish people will often make references to the way something works here and then contrast that against Germany. They'll be like, in Germany, you know, it probably would be like this. And it's specifically Germany. It's never like Denmark or France. It's always Germany. And uh, but I always find it funny because here there's like this huge gray area, which is also kind of annoying and bureaucratic because you show up and, the, and they're like, yeah, you know, you need like there is no number that you need to make for to be able to 
sustain yourself here on the visa that I'm on, for instance. They don't tell you. It's a gray area. And you'll say, well, how much is that? Like, you know, how much do I need to sustain? Ah, it just depends. You know, we'll, we'll look at it when you get there. And you're like, okay, cool. There's flexibility. But then maybe you show up and they're like, today it's 2000 <laughs> You're like, what? And so it's it's really funny. Like some some things work. It, it works for you. It works against you. you. You touched on this earlier. You do just sort of have to like roll with the punches and, and have some determination. Living abroad is challenging sometimes. It comes with, you know, sometimes you're standing there filling out paperwork in a visa office with a sadistic immigration officer who's getting some joy out of ruining your life. And you're like, why the hell am I doing this? I could just be like chilling back in my other home, but where I don't have to do this every year, but it's worth it. We've, we've, suffer through it for some reason because we we love it and it's I think it's always worth it in the end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, they can be pretty generous with giving like extensions. If you're like in process still, they'll just extend your visa for a while. I don't know. There's it's so it's such a complicated it can be a whole nother episode, but it's like all of these they're so to the T about certain things. And then there's certain things where it's totally like you're saying, it's like the mood of the person who shows up that day. And I it can be such a mixed bag, but I think, yeah, with persistence and effort, you can come a long way. And I mean the payoff. I'm telling you, these mountains, these vineyards, it's so good. Uh, we didn't even talk about the super pleasant little like mini river that just runs through along every sidewalk in Freiburg. It's like, what is who has that? Like there's like literally just this pleasant little like they you don't have gutters. They're like little mini rivers. Right. <laughs> yeah. And at the market, that was so beautiful and perfect. Kids buy these little wood sailboats and then they sail their little boats through this beautiful scenic little, it's like a big rain gutter, but it's a stream. And I, I don't know, they're called Beshlev. I don't know. And oh my goodness, in the mornings when you go into town, there are people whose job it is, they're in these like little onesie things and they're like, they have this special broom to clean the bottom. Like they're specifically made tools to clean these specific little streams that only exist in Freiburg. And it's just such an old timey thing. And they, they have news stories about like this job has been going on for so many centuries. And the whole job is stand there and scrub this stream. And it's just, I don't know, in a world of like, oh yeah, digital nomads, it's like somehow grounding to just look at this man. And you're like, when you were 20, you started scraping grime off of the bottom of this stream and you are now 65 and you're doing it and this is what you've done every day and this is a good life. This is a really good life and now you're going to retire and have a great time. Absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, even though I'm in the digital nomad world and, you know, like like traveling a lot and uh, there's there's something very grounding. I, I jokingly talk about this all the time on the show. Like I just love these little European villages and the towns and like I know Freiburg is, is bigger than that, but it has this small town feel to it that's just so charming and and um and grounding I think is the perfect uh so yeah I mean again I think we I think we sold it well um for no reason other than we both just want to nerd out on Freiburg so I hope people enjoyed this oh man I mean I feel I don't know I feel like such a hypocrite sometimes because with my podcast I, I say and and do like my ethos is let's talk about the hard things let's be real let's have serious conversations um and let's go past the oh here's me like you know eating a croissant at the Eiffel Tower like this whole like, I don't know. Yeah. The this, Instagram this. life, the, the gram versus the reality. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm really trying to be reality and not gram. And then I'm posting on my Instagram feed for my podcast pictures of Freiburg. And I'm like, you know, one thing is, you know, this new episode about expat grief. And then uh, the one after it is a picture of where I had a picnic the other day at the sunset. And like, it's just like, okay, sorry, I'm kind of guilty of this because it's just so dang nice. And it's just, I mean, yeah, I, I can't help but gush about it. So yeah. 
<laughs> I'm sure we could have talked about many more things, but I did honestly really love getting to nerd out about Freiburg with you. And I, I've always wanted to know more because you've mentioned that you have some kind of like heart connection to yeah. Freiburg and it's really cool to hear what you were doing here, how you guys spent your time. And honestly, it sounds like you did the right things because I think sometimes like when I've had visitors, they're like they're on their European trip, right? And they want to like see the museum they're supposed to see and uh, learn about the history and this and that. And I mean, I guess you probably could do that, but that's just not the point for me, not in Freiburg. What I want them to do is exactly what you're saying. Go up to TTZ and like take these hikes. And yeah, so anyway, it's cool that how you spent your time. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I got the the local approval. That's uh, that's awesome. Well, you'll see me back there again. We'll we'll have a chance to, to meet in real life. In the meantime, this was fantastic. I, I had a blast. And thank you again for the inspiration with the expat cast. I hope people listening to About Abroad We'll go check it out and uh, and and hear Nicole get into the the nitty gritty of expat life and um, yeah we'll do it again yeah definitely thank you so much for having me it was a real joy to get to talk uh, let me practice real quick Auf Wiedersehen cheers thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world once again I'm Chase and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.